If you don't know who I am, my name is Craig Millard. I'm the college minister here at Redeemer. I'm excited just to preach tonight on Sabbath and rest. Uh, I got the opportunity eight weeks ago uh, to preach when we were in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, So thank you for uh, allowing to have me back. I guess I didn't say anything too crazy that night uh, that they would trust me to come back. A lot has changed. I just, just, this is a selfish plea. Um, Seven weeks ago, uh, my wife gave birth to our first child, a little girl, Zara. So if she's screaming, then uh, uh, you'll understand why she's walking out. But pray for Massa, my wife, just because uh, she uh, has to not only you know be at home right now with her, but also put up with me. So thank you, prayers appreciated for her. Um, but let's let's go ahead and jump in. You know. As the college minister, I actually get the chance to uh, preach a good uh, bit. Um, and over the years, I've had a good bit of opportunity to prepare sermons uh, and to give those sermons. Um, even though I've only been in ministry next month, full-time ministry for one year. And it's actually one of my favorite things I get to do with the college students. We do it across the street. It's not such, I'm not mic'd up. I'm not on a stage. It's a much more laid back atmosphere. Uh, but I love getting to do it. So I've done a good bit of sermon prep, like I said, even though I've only been in this role for less than a year. Now, with that being said, I don't think, or I can honestly say, this has been the most challenging week preparing for the sermon for me personally, uh, as I've prepared to uh, talk on Sabbath and rest. It's stretched me the most. It's revealed the most sin in my heart. And nonetheless, on the topic of rest, uh, which is wild. There's a lot of other sermons we could give in Genesis that I think uh, would be more daunting. Uh, But as I've worked through the material, I realized that one, I hadn't ever really looked at the concept of the Sabbath. I didn't know much about it. And not really, I'm not really the type of person who thinks much about rest or needing rest. Full disclosure, uh, I'm not one of those people that says, hey, you need to slow down, right? You don't have the capacity. Full disclosure, I think most people, uh, this is, you see the sin in my own heart, most people can do more than what they think and they actually have more capacity than what they think. And even though my intention in saying that, my belief in saying that, I think comes from a good place, uh, as we'll see tonight, uh, there's a lot of sin in that belief. Um, and I think it really points out and shows to me uh, just where I find my trust and my dependence. And oftentimes it's not in the Lord. So with that being said, I want to walk through tonight everything that I've learned as I have looked at this text, as we'll look at in Genesis in here just a second. And my hope and my prayer is that it will challenge you and encourage you as it has me. Maybe you're like me and you've created just this, this idol of hard work and you hold it as a marker of pride over those that don't work as hard as you. Or maybe you're somebody in here that, that you can Sabbath with the best of them, right? You have no issue at all with the Sabbath. My, my, my inclination, though, is a lot of you are somewhere in the middle, right, where you know where your limits are, and you're just flat out exhausted. So my prayer is that the Lord speaks to you, challenges you, and humbles you to the point of dependence on him for all things displayed in your ability to rest in him. So let's look at the text, Genesis 1, to chapter 2, verse 3, uh, should be in your guide, or uh, you can look at it in the Bible. starting verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. 
Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to your word right now, I just pray, uh, God, that you would just eliminate all distractions. God, that you would eliminate um, just everything we have on our plate this week uh, from our minds. Uh, God, that you would eliminate just the, the devil trying to pull our attention elsewhere. Lord, and we will see what, what, what your word has to say about rest. Uh, God, and we will see that it is a gift from you. Uh, one that we need to taste and enjoy, Lord. And as we do that, we taste and enjoy you more. So Lord, I pray that my words would fall down and and, and no one in here would remember that, but I pray that your words would shine through. pray all these things in your name. Amen. Our passage tonight comes at the end of the first creation narrative in Genesis. Uh, We find ourselves at the end of God's creation of the world and his universe. Verse 31, uh, at the end of chapter 1, is the culmination of his creation, and he declares everything he made is good. In fact, very good. Verse 1, going into chapter 2, sums up all that he's created again and makes it a point to tell us that his work in creation is finished. And we'll come back to that, that idea that all his work is finished. He has completed the unbelievable work of creation. So we find ourselves in verse 2, where God demonstrates and shows us the importance of rest. But not only does he rest on the seventh day, in verse three, we see this interesting piece that I'd never thought about before, is that he marks it as a day with blessing and he makes it holy. See, I don't know about you, but when I read this text, a few things, a few questions come to mind about God's resting and what is referred to as the Sabbath, because the word Sabbath actually isn't there. And even though the word Sabbath isn't there, the word, the, the word Shabbat is, and it's, that's what we use rest for. But the original meaning of that means to cease, to stop, or to rest. We see later in Exodus that God's establishing of the Sabbath day is connected back to the sacred day of creation. The first word that comes to my mind, when I, first question that comes to my mind, uh, is why did God rest? Right? I think that's naturally the first question. And in fact, it's, it's a question that a lot of atheists uh, or people against Christianity use. They say, oh, you, you serve this limitless God, all-powerful God, but he rested. How does that make sense? Was he exhausted from his work? I mean, if God is all-powerful and he neither sleeps nor slumbers, then what was the purpose of this resting? Well, first, the word rest, as we have translated it, doesn't actually hold the exact same meaning as the original hearers would have heard it. When they hear that word rest in Genesis, Shabbat, more oftentimes they're translating it as to cease or to stop rather than that third definition of, definition of what we look at as resting, of rejuvenation, of out of exhaustion. So God, when we read this, read it as he ceased from his work in creation. He finished it. So it isn't because he needed to be rejuvenated, right? He did this in order to set a pattern for a seven-day work week. He did it to explain a work-rest balance that's needed for limited beings like you and I. And more importantly, to me, I think, is that is this exaltation and celebration of the work, this beautiful work of creation that has been completed, right? God is stopping from his work and declaring that all that he has created is good. 
He is celebrating the work that has done and stopping to look back at all that has been completed. My second question that would come to mind, like, why does God rest? The second one is, well, what does it mean that God made the day sacred and, and hallowed it? John Piper explains it in this way. He says, what does it mean for God to bless a day? I think it means that he makes the day a time of blessing. When God blesses a man, the man becomes rich with blessings. When he blesses a land, the land becomes rich with blessings. So when he blesses a day, the day becomes rich with blessings. And what does it mean that he hallows the day? Hallows is the same word as sanctifies. It means set the day aside for special focus on that, on what is holy, namely God and his holy works. See, when we consider these two things together, the idea that he both blessed the day and the idea that he made it holy, we see that the day has been a source of blessing if we are, if we def, if we are to focus on him. So on this day, if we hallow God or keep our focus on him, then the blessing flows from him. Also, if we seek blessing in him, we both hallow him and honor his holiness. So the intended purpose of this day was for the focus to be on God and not ourselves. And the last question that I think came to mind for me uh, would be, well, okay, so that's why God rested. That's what it means for it to be holy and, and for it to be a blessing. How did Jews view and follow the Sabbath? And that's where we turn to Exodus 20, which is also in your guide, verse 8 through 11. This, if you, just for your own knowledge, this is in the middle of the Ten Commandments um, where this comes about. So it says, remember the, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is actually not the first time that the Sabbath is mentioned as a clear command in Scripture. That time actually comes a little bit before in chapter 16 of Exodus when the Israelites were instructed on the collecting of manna. See, this in particular connects the command of keeping the Sabbath with the creation narrative, as you see in verse 11. One thing that should stick out to you is how this command Starts. If you were to look at all Ten Commandments all at once, you'd see that this one sticks out because the Jews are called to remember the Sabbath day. This is different from the other commandments uh, because they start with you shall or you shall not. And for me, this shows that the command was not new and one that the Israelites didn't know uh, beforehand, right? They did. If they're to remember something, then this is something that they knew before the commandments were given, and it also shows that this is supposed to be a day of remembrance, looking back, as we'll see later, looking back at all that God has done, what he's freed them from, and what he's currently doing in their midst. The text also points to the fact that Jews weren't allowed to let anyone, anyone they were in authority over, do work on the Sabbath. So he was basically cutting out the option where if, if you own land and you had people working underneath you, if you had your own business, he's saying, hey, not only are you resting, you're not going to then say, oh, I'm going to rest, but all my people below me are going to continue working so I can make work. No, everybody, every single person was to rest on this Sabbath day. See, the Jews were called to a high standard in keeping the Sabbath. In fact, to break the rules of the Sabbath was punishment by death. 
The death penalty is actually mentioned more times next to uh, breaking the Sabbath than it is in committing murder. And we could dive deep into all the different things that the Jews were and weren't allowed to do on the Sabbath day. But in essence, they weren't allowed to do anything other than uh, spend time focused on the Lord in worship and to stop from all physical exertion. And now when we look at this today, right? So this is 2,000 or like 5,000 or so years ago, right? What does it mean today? Christian tends, Christians tend to be all over the place, all over the map, map with how exactly we're to spend the Sabbath. So we have on one side, we have Sabbatarians who hold strictly to a literal reading of the commandment and still hold it in the new covenant. And then you have some that don't even think about it at all, right? And then there are many who fall somewhere in between where they think it's on a different day or whatever that might be. My goal isn't to make a clear decision on that tonight, but rather to remind you of five truths that the keeping of the Sabbath, regardless of the day you do it on, should hold in your life. So we're going to walk through five truths of the Sabbath. Number one, the first truth of the Sabbath is to remind us of our dependence uh, on God for everything. God has stated before, after he created all things, took a day to rest and to look at all that he did. As a limitless being, he did not need rest, as we said. And although we as limited beings most definitely do need rest, the keeping of a Sabbath, Sabbath is an act of humility that says, I can't do it all, and I'm not supposed to do it all. See, oftentimes I think we look at the Sabbath or stopping from work as, as burdensome. Right? We're so fixated on all that we have to do or constantly being inundated by, by technology or, or information right? that to pause and cease seems burdensome to us. When actuality is a gift given to us, it is a time set aside by God for us to remember him and where our strength comes from. A time to remember him and all that he's done in our lives and all that he is currently doing in our lives. So we can do nothing apart from him. And our taking of the Sabbath declares that to the world around us. Just as the Jews look to God for everything in Exodus 16, literally their food falling from heaven, they took a day of rest in trust and reliance on him in collecting that manna. We too take a break from our work and enjoy God for who he is and declare that he can be trusted regardless of the output of the work that he has given us. The more we find ourselves relying on the Lord, the more peace and rest of the mind and body we experience. See, most of us, in essence, I think, are afraid to rest. We don't really know how. Right? But the reason I think we're afraid to rest is we simply don't trust God and instead trust ourselves to hold the world together. Even me in my position here, I think that the college ministry will fall apart if I stop from doing all that needs to be done when it's not true. So the Sabbath is one way for you and I to say, God, I trust you. While I rest, I trust that you are at work. So the Sabbath reminds us that we are to be dependent on God, but the Sabbath also reminds us uh, where our identity lies. Like stated above, the Sabbath is meant to be a complete stop of all work. Those emails that are sitting in your inbox you have to leave them unread. The problem that you feel needs to be fixed immediately, it should wait till tomorrow, right? That deadline coming up, well, we need to think about how to plan ahead better. 
And as much as I'd like to think that I can completely check out from work, you can talk with my wife, that's not the case. I constantly find myself checking my emails, agreeing to meetings that seem urgent, responding to texts that don't need immediate attention. Does that sound familiar? I'm not saying it to be super legalistic and how we should keep the Sabbath, but rather I think this communicates where we find our identity. For far too many of us, far too many of us, our inability to check out from work not only shows we aren't dependent on the Lord, but also shows we find our identity in something else other than the Lord. That intense desire to stay connected and do that thing that is waiting for us, right? To do that thing shows our identity is wrapped up in our work, whatever it may be, right? Maybe it's getting that next promotion. Maybe it's to do all the work so that you can get the approval of your coworkers or, or your peers around you. Or maybe you just simply flat out find your identity in what you do and you take pride in that. See, we're so focused on this. In fact, when you meet somebody new, one of the first questions you ask them is, what do you do? It's literally a marker of identity and we place value on people based on how they answer that question. And we, because of this, we find our identity, for far too many of us, I know for myself, we find our identity in what we do rather than in whose we are. So our ability to step back, stop, and rest from this work right? Our ability to do that and, and, and say, hey, those emails that are unfinished, right? And those emails, those, those texts, I don't need to send back to them, right? Declares our identity is found in Christ. We trust that he will provide because he is our father and we are eternally loved and approved by him. I don't need this job for eternal approval or satisfaction. I need Jesus. And our keeping of the Sabbath reveals this. So not only does it remind us that we should be dependent on God, not only does it remind us that our identity is found in the Lord, the Sabbath reminds us to enjoy all that God has created. One of the coolest things to me about the creation story is simply that God, that he, he does all this work, he calls it very good, and then he simply stops and he rests. And he, he makes an acknowledgement of how amazing the work is that he has accomplished and the work that he has done. He celebrates that which he has completed. As it said, he finished the work. See, it, it pales in comparison, but, but for me, right, I, I think about different jobs that I've completed around the house or in work. And yes, we as limited beings, I, I, you feel an, a, a feeling of exhaustion but when you finish that job, that job that seemed really hard and difficult, just that satisfied feeling that brewed up within you on a much more infinite level, God calls us in and invites us in on this exaltation of his creation. On the Sabbath, we get to remind ourselves, we get to remind ourselves of God's hand in all things in this beautiful world. So we ought to spend our time with his creation and allow it to point us back to him and marvel at his work. Now, this can be done in all of his creation. So if you're into nature, right, then go on a hike. Spend time outdoors. Spend time praying and thanking God for the beauty in his handiwork in that creation. If you're an extrovert like me and you love being around people, then spend time 
with his people and allow those relationships to stir up in you a deeper love for your father. Or maybe you're a lover of art and whatever medium it is that you love, I pray that you spend time with that thing, whether it be a book or TV or art or whatever it may be, that you spend time with that but you allow it to remind yourself of the one who created that creative mind. Flat out, spend time enjoying God's creation for the beauty that it is, right? And if, like I said, if it's nature, then spend it there. If it's with people there, whatever it is, spend time with it. And God calls you and models it for you in Genesis. So the first three points were reminders, right? Remind yourself of where you find your dependence. Remind yourself of your identity. Remind yourself to, 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 to spend time with his creation. And the last two are pointing us to something very, very specific. So point number four, the Sabbath points us to freedom presently. In Exodus 16, God reminds the Jews of the freedom he gave them from Egypt while also giving them the command of the Sabbath. He's reminding them that they were once in slavery and it was only because of his saving work that they were brought out of slavery. In the same way in the New Testament, Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, it states, Jesus states, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Jesus is speaking here of a spiritual rest that comes with following him, not necessarily a physical one. See, the world we live in is full of all of these societal pressures and, and, and expectations. And social media in particular, right, feeds our minds with the idea of the perfect life. It says in order for us to have the perfect life, you have to look a certain way. Right? It tells us we have to have the certain spouse, work that job that gets that money, find time to travel in the midst of all of this all around the world, raise these perfect children, hang out with all of your cool friends. And hey, by the way, make sure to post that awesome quiet time with that cup of coffee because we want to make sure that you look holy, right? But not only this, right? That's, that in alone is flat out exhausting. But not only this, we're, it's, we're wired to think we have to work towards our salvation. We have this innate belief that if we work hard enough, we're going to earn God's approval and thus earn our salvation. And all of this, all of these are lies. Jesus beckons us and calls us into a present rest. In Christ, we are free from the works being the means to salvation. In Christ, we are free from chasing what the world calls the perfect life. Why? Because in Christ, the work has been completed on your behalf. Our salvation is found only in the cross and the grace poured out for us that weight we feel we have to carry in order to be saved or have it all together, right? We lay it at the feet of Jesus and, 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 and we, we know that we are fully, fully known, that we are forgiven and we are loved by our creator. And our salvation has nothing to do with us. And that weight can be just completely lifted off from us. But not only do we have a present rest in our, in our current state of, of being saved or being justified before God. Number five, our last point. The Sabbath, Sabbath points to a future eternal rest. Hebrews 4, 8 through 11. It's not in your worship guide. I guess that we got to work that out as far as having two people preaching on a Sunday. It says, 
Hebrews 4, 8 through 11. For if Joshua had given them uh, rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. See, Hebrews here speaks about the present rest that I just addressed, but it also refers to entering the kingdom of God as entering God's rest. And go, go in there and look at chapter four. It talks over and over again about entering God's kingdom as entering his rest. This is something that I had never, ever, ever seen before. So what does this mean? Right, This future rest that we look forward to that are for us that are in Christ Jesus. It reminds us of how things were meant to be. See, the Sabbath was, was originally uh, created by God to be con- the continual right, rest of perfect relationship with him. The Sabbath was given before the fall of man and before sin entered the world. It's before work was burdensome or toilsome, before, right, before that we were exhausted by the end of our rest and couldn't go on, by the end of our work and couldn't go on, right? We would live in perfect harmony with our creator. Although, as we know, spoiler alert, sin broke that continuance of how things were supposed to be. It separated it from us, separated us from God, and all of a sudden now work is toilsome and work is burdensome. Rest was something now we physically needed from work exhaustion. But Jesus promises that when he returns, there will be a future renewal of everything back to its original design. We will get to spend eternity in perfect harmony with God, and there will be a new heaven and a new earth. No more pain or suffering, no more crying or exhaustion, no more feelings of not measuring up. And no more having to compare ourselves to one another and have to outwork the person next to us just to get that thing we so desperately think we need. We will find rest in God for eternity when Jesus returns. May we hold fast to this promise and let's allow the Sabbath to remind us of this and rejoice of the goodness of God. So what do we do? How does this play out in our lives? I want part of it. I want you to look at the scriptures and figure that, figure that out for yourself, what that looks like in your life. But take a day, any day. I know some people work on weekends, right? And so take a day during the week. Or some of us, it doesn't work. I have to work on Sunday, so I need to take another day. But whatever it is, take it regularly. Take it weekly. The day is marked by God as holy and blessed. So we ought to look at it as something that is holy and blessed. So spend that time focused on God. Remember your dependence on him. Remember your identity only comes from him. Spend time in his creation and turn to Jesus to not only find present rest and salvation, but an eternal rest that comes with entering the kingdom of God with his return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just thank you for the opportunity to bring your word tonight. Lord, I pray that God, that your words here about Sabbath and rest would pierce into our hearts. Lord, that we would see that we are far too reliant on the busyness of our lives to define us. And I pray for each and every one of us, Lord, 
that you would just teach us to stop, to quiet our minds, to block out distractions, and to spend a day focused on you. And in that, Lord, we know that we will be blessed because you made it a day of blessing. So, Lord, may we spend that day in Sabbath focused on you. And as we do that, may our cup be filled up to the point that it overflows to enter into the work that is ahead of us. Lord, we thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.